Only on a Sunday, a podcast about more than church. Welcome to the Only on a Sunday podcast. My name is Daniel Lowry. This podcast is an extension of the SCV Underground, whose mission is to catalyze gospel movements in Santa Clarita, Los Angeles, and beyond. We discuss all things gospel movements, what they are, methods for bringing them about, and hearing stories from practitioners in the field. Today, we're joined by Mark Thrash. Mark was appointed as president of Novo U.S. in October 2022. He directed Novo's partner development team for eight years and then Novo's resource development and strategic initiatives team since 2020. Mark has a BA in business marketing from Biola University, where he also played basketball, and was an area director with Young Life before coming to Novo. He lives in San Juan Capistrano, California, with his wife, Jamie, and their three children, Hazel, Hank, and May. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me, man. It's good to be here. Yeah, yeah. That's so good to have you. And uh, we met, oh, probably at the Novo conference, maybe a little bit before we're part of the same organization. So that's been super exciting and thrilling for me to get to know you and be a part of the reorg and, you know, kind of, no, I don't know that we could, we could call it Novo's changing vision, but more of like the bringing, bringing into alignment. Do you think that would be safe to say? Yeah. I think it's been com- coming for a bit, but now, now we're yeah. in this fresh season for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I, and my team here, we're all excited to be a part and so thankful for your leadership over the last few months. So, um, yeah, I just really wanted to get you on the podcast to share more about Novo, what's going on, your journey a little bit. So yeah, let's get let's get going. Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you've come from, family life, ministry career, you know, how'd you get to know Jesus, all those fun things. Yeah, so I grew up mostly in Albuquerque, New Mexico. New Mexico is kind of a hidden gem. A lot of people don't know about that. So we got amazing food, amazing place. I grew up in I'd say like a nominal Christian home. My, my parents, I have one brother, eight and a half years older than me. They went through a church split when I think it was kind of before my time. And so they were a little bit, you know, that was a hard thing. But my mom got back involved in Bible study fellowship. And part of that is they want you involved in the church. So we started going back. And then just right away, I think a bunch of guys were going to Promise Keepers, you know, the old men's kind of crusade. And so this was summer of 94 in Boulder, Colorado. And I, I gave my life to Jesus that summer before high school. So summer before freshman year. So kind of been following, following Jesus ever since. Uh, later, I went to a, a big decision for me was going to Biola University. Um, just faith really grew so much there. And it was a tremendous, tremendous time of transformation and growth. But I, I got a degree in business, thought I was going to do real estate stuff like my dad. My dad was a basketball coach and real estate guy. And so, I got into that and then felt like, man, <laughs> this isn't what I was made to do. It was actually a long winter in Chicago. All right. So I don't know how it was for you, Dan, graduating college. For me, it was a little hard to try to figure out, you know, which way was up and what to do. And so I finally got this real estate opportunity. I moved to Chicago, have a girlfriend that I think I'm going to marry. And so I don't know, I, a few weeks into it, <laughs> It's winter in Chicago. My girlfriend's broken up with me. I'm looking at this going like, why am I doing this? This isn't what I was made to do. Like, I feel like I should be, I thought I was going to teach and coach. 
and, you know, work with kids. That's kind of what, and so I was literally just like curled up in my studio apartment in Chicago, bawling and like wrestling with God. Like that was, I had a pretty easy life, I'd say growing up. So that's when I, that was kind of my first big, yeah, first big trial, I would say actually. So I came back to California with my, with my tail between my legs, got a coaching job at Newport Harbor High School. And a friend of mine saw saw me at church. She's like, you don't look so good, man. <laughs> so she invited me over. <laughs> I guess she told her roommates, this guy's fun, but he's like in the dump. So we got to cheer him up. And that's when I met my wife. Jamie was her roommate. And she was the JV girls basketball coach at Newport Harbor High School and the Young Life intern. So I'd never really been exposed to Young Life before. Get to know Jamie and just this the incarnational ministry of young life is just being in the world of kids and being relational, getting to coach, getting to, you know, reach, reach kids far from God. Kids don't go to church and disciple them, introduce them to Jesus. And so I was just like, yeah, I actually started fellowship of Christian athletes at that school, but long story short, we got, got engaged, got married, got married a year later and moved to San Clemente to restart the young life area here in 2005. So. Yeah. You mentioned, you don't know what, it was like when I graduated college, pretty much the same story. I followed a girl that it didn't work out, <laughs> right? That's pretty much every guy's story in college. It's like, just follow a girl and then, oops, that didn't work out. <laughs> and then Jesus brings something in your life. Ooh, You're like, oh, yeah. I'm so happy that didn't work out, right? <laughs> That's yeah, right. Same, same story, right. man. Same story. Right on. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, one of the things that I was hoping you could share with our audience is the formation journey that we as movement leaders really, that Jesus brings us through, right? Sometimes whether we like it or not, that this whole movement thing, gospel movements, multiplication, micro churches, all this kind of stuff, that really the foundational aspect is that formation journey, the transformation that Jesus kind of works in our heart. Sadly, in my experience, I haven't heard too much about that. Uh, Most of the conversations I have are centered around how you do it or even what it is you know, kind of how it's different than maybe your local church ministry. But I just feel like it's so important to really let people know that when you enter into this type of ministry, man, the hard work is, is the work that Jesus does in you. Like that's the hardest work I think. And so when you shared at conference, uh, Novo conference in Cancun this last year about your journey, that formation up into kind of your presidency. I was, uh, number one, uh, respected you even more than I already had. But number Mm -hmm. two was just like, man, that is such rich, deep, you know, pearls of wisdom. So I'd love if you could just share with, with us a little bit about that, your own journey, just where Jesus brought you. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Well, I would say, you know, that, (laughs) so I had that one crisis moment, um, in Chicago and it was kind of a vocational crisis, a little bit of a relational crisis. Then the next one hit, we were loving Young Life, thought we were lifers. I mean, it was it was really fun. And then when we started having babies, man, everything got messed up. <laughs> so <laughs> Jamie's identity started shifting in a really positive way of becoming a mom. And, and so, you know, at the time, what it felt like to me was I was losing my partner of we were really partnered. Looking back on it <laughs> is I was really hiding behind her. In many ways, I was hiding behind her relationship and intimacy with God, like wow. a lot of her gifts. And so without her, I was really exposed, honestly. So it was a really like 
disorienting time. And so ultimately we felt like the pace of life of just youth ministry stuff and stuff was going to be, wasn't going to work for us anymore, which was really scary. So we, first part of the story, I don't know if I told this at conference was, you know, entering into a discernment because this felt like a really huge decision. And so our premarital counselor had said, as followers of Jesus, we should discern rather than decide when it comes to decision-making. And that was kind of, an, I, I, I liked the idea, but never really done that. And so we enter this discernment and that's, <laughs> that's one of, one of my, oh crap moments. That's the PG version. When you realize, you know, discernment's based on hearing from God and I've never heard from God before. And so then it's like, wait a second, <laughs> I've been telling kids that Jesus wants this relationship with them, but do I have a relationship? Like what is act, what, when we talk about relationship with God, what do we mean? You know? And so I've come to believe, I think a lot of times when we say that we mean relationship with your Bible, which, <laughs> but we know that relationship with God is so much more that there's interact. It's like throughout the narrative of the scripture, God's interacting with his people. We can, ha- we can actually hear from God. We can have interactive relationship. And so that's set me on this really beautiful trajectory of, I was asking people, I respected, how do you hear from God? I started reading books. So we ultimately ended up leaving Young Life without having the next thing. I didn't really feel like I fit in a church a role. And so I was trying to figure out what was next. So that's what led me to Novo actually in a development fundraising role. You know, with, with Young Life, most area directors hated the fundraising piece, loved the work with kids, and I, I actually loved it all. So I, I, I loved just kind of telling the story of what God was doing and, and asking people you know, if they wanted to invest in that. And so that was my entry point. Okay. But then coming into, into Novo CRM at the time, all this was, was this hearing God thing was new for me. But when, as I was meeting Novo staff, I mean, hearing from God was like breathing to them. So in a really beautiful way, it's like they, their own relationship with God, but then also in their ministry context, they're asking God, what are you doing? You know, they're looking, what is the enemy up to here? And I was just like, it was all new for me. So then they're praying with expectation, like that things are going to shift. I'm learning about what inner healing is. I'd never heard of inner healing prayer. I'm seeing for the first time, kind of people pray with the demonic. It was outside my box, but it wasn't weird or sensational. So just all the prayer walking, all these, (laughs) all these things. And so, yeah, I think we're going to talk about the cohorts a little bit later, but that's kind of the beginning part of that journey. Okay. So I landed Novo. I actually, I left Young Life. I went to another job for about nine months. wasn't a very good fit. And so then I ended up at Novo. Um, and this is like my second oh crap moment to where I know this is a good fit for me. Like the culture, the development I'm going to have, but I'm still feeling all of this discontentment. And I'm just like, the oh crap is like looking in the mirror and realizing the problems to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was blaming it on... I was blaming on losing Jamie's partnership and all those things with Young Life. And then the the last job, I mean, now I know I can't blame it on anything around me. So, I mean, long story short, I'll probably try to be as short-winded as possible. But I go to a season of therapy and I'm also started having a spiritual director. So if anybody doesn't know what spiritual direction is or spiritual director, it's, I've had one now for 12 years, once a month. It's really a companion on the journey that's really helping you discern what is God doing helping you hear from God. And I would say, I would call it a spiritual discipline. And so it's probably one of the, one of the top, maybe three things of, that's led to transformation in my life. It's that 
that discipline of spiritual direction and having a spiritual director. So go to therapy and realize like the root of this, okay, is that what I learned kind of early on is to be loved and valued, I had to, I had, had to earn it. So through success and achievement. And so I'm talking to my spiritual director about this. So this is going to get a little deep here. All right. So hopefully y'all can handle it, but yeah, we like deep. Um, we like deep. Let's right, go. Right. Let's go. <laughs> I, I, I talked to my spiritual director and we're talking about it and I kind of see this picture in my, in my gut, like in my stomach of this black hole. Okay. And everything, all my achievements, all the love, all the affirmations is going in and just getting sucked out the bottom. <laughs> and like, this is making so much sense to me why I'm so discontent, <laughs> you know? And so it's kind of interesting, actually, at that time, I remember that passage about we will make our home in you. And so again, in learning to hear from God and using our redemptive imagination, like I actually picture the Trinity moving in, like to my gut, to my soul. And laying like starting to develop a flat, there's a there's the hole there, and the Holy Spirit started laying a brick over that, over that hole, bricks over that hole, and it actually was about a year long process. I'm like, can we speed this construction process up? And so that's one bit of it. Now the other, I'm reading this book at the time called uh, Reclaiming Your Story. There's this one little section. It says we all have like a narrative or a tape or a voice, like kind of a main one. And so I felt like mine came to me right away. It was do, achieve, succeed, win. Do, achieve, succeed, win. Do, achieve, succeed, win. And I actually did a lot of that. You know, I think that's helpful when you're an American trying to live the American dream and, you know, that gets you places. But obviously I was empty, <laughs> you know, or I mean, I was, you know, having this emptiness and this discontentment. So it's like one year into Novo, we're at like a, a, a divisional conference and um, it's a worship ministry time. You know, I'm still getting used to all these, the, this, I would call it this, this healthy kind of Holy Spirit prayer culture within Novo. And this couple that I'd actually been doing some coaching with on like how to hear from God, they come up to me and like, Mark, how can we pray for you? And I tell them about the words and they're like, well, let's just ask Jesus to give you some new words, give you a new tape. And so it comes pretty fast and it was known, loved, significant, and free. Known, loved, significant, and free. So I don't know if you can feel the weight of those things, <laughs> you know, but do achieve, succeed, win versus known, loved, significant, free. There's just a total different like weight to that, you know? And so what I would say is I, it took me about a year again to like live into that new voice, hearing that new tape. But Dan, I mean, Jamie would tell you, but that was a huge transformational moment for me of getting that hole taken care of, just realizing that I'm known, loved by, by my heavenly father and the Trinity and developing that intimacy, interactive relationship. So it really like healed that root. I'll tell you just one other part of the journey, because I think maybe this would resonate with some people. I think in our culture, we have a pretty high fear of failure. And so Part of that whole thing of do achieve, succeed, win, I felt like I couldn't make mistakes. And so I was kind of in bondage to regret is how I would say it. So little mistakes, big mistakes, making decisions. And so I was with my spiritual director again, and I got this vision of me sitting on top of me. So it's two of me, and I was just beating the tar out of my face. Okay. 
And this like jolted me because I hate fighting. <laughs> when kids would get in fight at high school or whatever, I would get sick to my stomach. I can't watch UFC or boxing. I'm a big softy. All right, man. I can't, I can't. So, but I felt like the Lord was saying, this is what you're doing to yourself. Is this how you want to live? So I think it was December of 2013. I, I journaled today's the day regret dies. And again, I think I, I had to step into that. It wasn't instantaneous, but where regret used to be kind of a 10 in my life, it's like probably a one or two now. So talk about the freedom freedom I have. So yeah, man, I mean, the, the tools there was, was therapy, spiritual direction, inner healing, hearing from God. You know, one thing I'm passionate about, I just want to say, I really think the mantra, people don't change or people can't change is untrue. That is not true. Now, I think it takes intentionality and it takes openness, but we can change, we can transform, we can become more like Jesus, not just after, not just once we get to heaven, but now. And so, of course, I'm still on the journey, but the freedom I experience now, the intimacy I experience, I think my identity has shifted. So it was a lot of hard work, but I'm, I'm thankful for the journey, man. Yeah, totally. I, I mean... I don't know that you're, the Lord brings you to a place of Novo president under do achieve, succeed, win. You know what I mean? Like I, I, uh, I, I don't know that he brings you there and I can, I can tell you for sure. I think you would agree. You don't stay there under do, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you don't stay there under do achieve, succeed, win. So yeah, thank you for going through all that. There's three yeah. things that as you talk that really jump out at me that I'd love to just highlight a little bit and maybe get a little more from you is, is the first one is it just seemed like, I don't mean this in a negative way. So please, I hope you don't hear it that way, but there was almost like a blindedness to like what was going on in you. You know what I mean? Like I, like maybe like a, an unawareness. I think the, the psychological term is like not self-actualized, you know what I mean? And, and mm -hmm. I think all yeah. of us, all of us are guilty of that in one way, like we're one way or the other, like we're just kind of blind to, uh, what's going on. And so I just, man, I tell you what, in pastoral ministry for 15 years and now moving in, in, you know, kind of the gospel movement circles, I'm, I'm always surprised at how much people are just really kind of unaware, you know, of, of, of this, like you smell, but you don't know it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody else sees it, but you don't know it. What, what would you say to like that blindedness? Could you speak a little bit more into that? I mean, does it just take circumstances that you can't get over to really open your eyes or is, is there some posture that we can have so we don't have to go through that? Yeah, I, I got a couple thoughts there. I think the first one, I think it actually comes back to something else I'm kind of passionate about. <laughs> well, I get, I get some of the stuff from Dallas Willard, who I consider like a, a friend and mentor I never got to meet, but I think that the the gospel we've proclaimed too much has been a transactional fire insurance type of gospel. And yes, yes, we get forgiveness. Yes, we get heaven. But the thing is, is we get eternal life now. We get transformation now. You know, 2 Corinthians 5 is one of my favorite passages, like this ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation of what? Of reconciliation to God like if we if we teach people how to hear from God, I think that God's going to expose these things. Well, yes, we do have a have to have a posture of openness, but it's like salvation is is more 
Yes, it is. It is. It is going to heaven. It is forgiveness of sins. It is, but it's it's more holistic than that, and that we actually can be transformed and can change, and that the Holy Spirit wants to do that in us. So I would say that two little paradigms that have been super helpful for me in life. One I learned kind of pre novo is roots and fruits. So when you have a fruit or a behavior or something in your life that's coming out. Like you could, you can try to just like, you know, the old kind of behavior modification is stop doing that. (laughs) Just cut off the fruit, but what's going to happen? It's going to grow back. Right. So I think another little metaphor I've heard is like when the check engine light comes on, like when you see yourself respond in anger, when you you're struggling with regret, when you have anxiety, what, what is the root of that? So I think that's just a helpful little roots and fruits. Now, the other one in inner healing and bringing a spiritual lens to this and a spiritual warfare lens to this and all these things that are true is garbage and rats, is this metaphor of garbage and rats. Okay, so where there is garbage, there will be rats. So where there is unforgiveness, where there is like curses or vows, you know, where there's trauma, it's it's stuff we've, we've maybe choices we've made, but a lot of things we haven't. I mean, um, family heritage stuff. I mean, there's different things. Then there can be rats, which are demonic attachments in a way. And so I really do think part of that, I had that spirit of regret that, so inner healing was a part of that, but then also there's like a spiritual formation aspect to that. So I think it starts with vision. (laughs) Thinking of Willard again, he's got this VIM model, vision, intention, and means. So we have to give people the, the, the full gospel we have to give, like, this is possible for you to be transformed. Freedom is possible. New identity is possible. Relationship with God is possible. But then people have to have intention with it, right? And then the means is giving them the tools. So, you know, spiritual disciplines that, you know, or spiritual practices, that's just creating space for God to do his thing. So there's all kinds of those. The other one that you said was the discern versus decide. And as soon as you said that, I just went back into all of the counseling appointments I had as a, as a senior pastor, where people would come in and share with me what they've already decided to do. And <laughs> like, so yeah, I'm thinking about changing my job and all that, or you've already decided, right. Or I'm going to leave my wife or husband, you know, the, the unfortunate ones and it's already decided. And you know, how many times I heard, well, you know, I'll pray about it, which is you know, Christian jargon for, I'm going to think about it and make a decision. You mentioned that that was very new for you. Like it wasn't a lens through which you saw the world. So I guess my question to you is, why do you think that is? Like, why, why is discernment so new and so difficult for the believer to really walk in that way of doing Christianity or doing kingdom life? Yeah, I think my first answer is no one told me I could hear from God. <laughs> no one told me it was possible. You know, it was it was read your Bible, which is really important. And that's a huge part of how we learn God's voice and his character. And that's our tether. The scriptures are our tether for sure. But you just look through it and it's like interaction from the garden all the way through. And now we have the Holy Spirit. And so I, I, I think I think that's part of it. And then you know, I, I was just maybe trained up on like pros and cons lists, right? Which aren't bad. <laughs> I mean, we got to use wisdom. And so pros and cons lists, but what does it look like to actually 
ask the Lord, what do you, what do you think? What do you think about this? And I guess now, you know, it seems simple, but it's so, so profound. And it was, it's probably the biggest game changer in our lives. So now, you know, when I pray for people, I listen first. I'm going to, you know, Dan, let me, is it okay if I pray for you? And then I'm Dan, I'm going to, I'm just going to listen for, for a few seconds here just to see if God has anything. And like, you know, that it's there. It's like, it's in little decisions now. It's within my parenting a lot. I mean, now that I have teenagers, man, <laughs> and, and in this role, it's like the dis- discernment is, I, I'm, I feel overwhelmed with discernment, to be honest. I need more space for discernment. And then I would just say, one thing that, that Dallas Willard says that was helpful for me is that you have to learn the texture of God's voice. So, right, spirituality is not like, <laughs> spirituality is spirituality. I mean, there's some, um, it's not necessarily just black and white, right? So learning to hear from God, I think, is a new muscle. Like It takes practice. And so I think there's some tools with that. We, we use a thing in Novo called the meeting place, using your redemptive imagination, one guy early on with Novo, like, and I still do this to this day, I'll ask God a question with a black pen and I'll wait, whatever I hear, I write down in red and just journaling. And so, yeah, I think it's just people understanding that it's possible again, and then creating space, safe places to, to learn to hear from God and giving them practical tools to do it. But I just... I think it's such a beautiful way to live of this is really being co-labor, you know, co-laboring with Jesus and being yoked with him. And so, yeah, it's it's now become a way of life, which I'm thankful for. But, you know, before that moment in my life, I didn't know it was possible. Uh, thank you. So kind of moving on in the story. So you had mentioned earlier that uh, your journey, uh, a lot of it uh, led to the this thing called the Spiritual Authority Cohort which Novo has been putting on for a number of years. I've gone through it. Family's gone through it. Number of team and different people that were, you know, doing ministry with have, have gone through it. Uh, it's really, really wonderful. You know, I was vocational ministry for 25 years and there were a number of things that I was like, oh, wow, we can do that. You know, just really like game changer, open your eyes kind of thing. So tell us a little bit about the spiritual authority cohorts. And then just as important, tell us some, some stories about like what's, what's come out of that, what Jesus has done through that cohort. Yeah, that's been a fun journey. So long story short, you know, our, our philosophy of development fundraising in Novo is like, we don't, we don't call our financial partners donors. We call them ministry partners. It's like, we really view it as a partnership and we've, we want to give back and minister, make this a two-way street as much as possible. And so, you know, all of these things, these prayer tools and learning to hear from God, it was just such a, a blessing to Jamie and I and so transformational. So we started doing like hearing God workshops or inner healing things at events and just saw our ministry partners were eating this up and felt like there was just an opportunity to, to equip. So we had this idea, spiritual authority cohort, you know, spiritual authority, I'd never even heard the term. <laughs> What, what does this mean? And in essence, you know, you look in the scriptures and Jesus has delegated us power. It's it's in the name of Jesus. Okay. So it's not about us. It's our identities as sons and daughters of the King, right? It's based on intimacy. Jesus had intimacy with his father. I only do what I see the father doing. So there's this intimacy Jesus models, but as he sends out the 12 and then the Luke 10 is a really amazing passage, Dan, because it, it goes from the 12 to the 72 and they come back to him and they're like, 
Jesus, it worked. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. So it's it's delegated authority. So we like to talk about humble boldness. It's a it's a humility because it's not about us, right? It's it's in Jesus' name, but there's a boldness knowing who we are too, as sons and daughters of the King, and this 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 power that's been delegated to us. So we started out actually with a, with a men's cohort at the office. It was like 25 guys, and I mean the fruit was just tremendous. I mean people are just like mostly baby boomers, some younger guys, but just saying, "Where's this been my whole Christian life?" You know, like. And so they want to invite their friends. We did a women's cohort. That was 2015. So when, when COVID hit, we had 11 cohorts in 13 cities. We were dreaming. We were, we were flying people in per, like for face-to-face meetings. It was pretty fun that way. And what the, what the cohort is, it's, it's, it's six modules, six sessions of giving you practical prayer tools like inner healing, hearing from God, physical healing, prayer walking, blessing, like these kind of practical tools, and it's experiential, which I'm really passionate about it. Experiential knowledge, experiential learning. So it's like we teach on it, give you theology, and then we practice right there in the room. <laughs> and then you go have prayer experiments. So that's how it's based. So co- so COVID hits, and we had to end those cohorts on Zoom. That was the beginning of learning about Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, we were hoping to get to like 20, 22 cities the next fall. And we ended up, we started them on zoom and, you know, it went to like 200 cities or something like that. So last year, I think we were in 38 States, like over 500, some cities in like 15 countries. And so it really is just an experiential prayer training. And I think that, I think there was like 2000 people going through it last year, but we, we feel it is, you know, our mission statement at Novo is we're a band of creative missionaries. Okay. You can hear some of that stuff from Dan and his team and what they do in Santa Clarita sent to multiply movements of the gospel. So we want to see gospel movements happen. And then the third part is, and mobilize the church for that mission. And so what we started to see was, oh man, this is a way, I I just feel like it's not really about Novo, but God's given us this stream of prayer in the Holy Spirit and some of these tools that we've learned from our, these are activating prayer tools we've learned from our missionaries in the field, in the States abroad. And so we're just, you know, from, from the expertise is bringing, equipping people with these tools. And so what's happened is people are just getting awakened to the Holy Spirit, to their spiritual authority, to their true identities as sons and daughters of the King. We have one session on the royal priesthood. I mean, we all know that passage that we're a part of the royal priesthood, but what does that actually mean? Right? And so, yeah, it's it's been fun to just see how God's using it. If it, it feels like, well, one 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 term that I like to use, some people don't like war metaphors, I understand that, but is, is we're raising up an army. And this, this one guy told me, he goes, you know, this, this was his perspective. He said, the church, the church at large is the largest sitting army in the world. And I was like, what is that? So a sitting army is like not ready to be deployed, I guess, you know? And so we've talked about raising up a standing army. And so the fun thing is, what we see happen is people go through, okay? And so the first sessions are like, what is spiritual authority, learning, hearing from God, and inner healing. So it's kind of like you're laying the foundation. It's it's a lot of transformational stuff. It's almost like my the journey stuff I was talking about, our own transformation. And then we pivot, and it goes to you're a royal priest. How do you pray for physical healing, which was the scariest for me, Dan? <laughs> you know, it's like, 
what what if what if it doesn't work? You know, I don't want this to wreck somebody. Like and and then and then how do, what does it look like to prayer walk? And we call it reclaiming territory and taking and so people then it's like they start to see their spaces differently. Their their families and their houses, their workplaces, neighborhoods, their little leagues, and they're stepping in and 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 being on the offensive in a way for the kingdom and praying and blessing these things, and which is then leading them right to pray for folks, which leads them to engaging culture. It's been really, really fun to see people uh, so so activated and and stepping into their true their true identities. Uh, a couple stories come to mind. Oh man, I remember just being wrecked this night. We were in. Not too far from you, we were up in Altadena area, Pasadena area in a house. We were doing the first cohort up in that area, LA area. Since then, I think there's been like 500 people go through there. They've taken it to a church, but it was kind of the pilot. So a board member brought it to her house. There was 30 people in there and it was the physical healing night. Okay. And so um, Stephen Castillo was teaching on physical healing. And what we do is teach the model and then we bring somebody up and actually pray for them that has a physical need. And then it's like, now we're going to break. Who has a physical need? You stand up. The rest of you are ministry team. Go for it. And it's like, you know, people are like, seriously, right now? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's always like, a, so woman comes up and he's praying for her shoulder. And he prays, like kind of does the model and prays and nothing. Ha- he's, he's asking her to move it. Nothing happens. It's like, is it okay if I pray again? He starts to pray and she starts to weep. And the whole room starts to weep. And she's like, I don't <laughs> I don't feel any pain. She's like, I haven't been able to sleep through the night for like three years. So that's where it starts. Then we break into our, um, <laughs> then we break into our small groups. Another guy with, um, shoot, what's that condition called? When you have your, your nerve endings on your, your um, neuropathy, neuropathy, I think nerve endings on your, your hands and feet were burning. We actually later did a video testimony of this guy, but he, he wrecked his life. I mean, he was just, you know, trying to figure out meds and like just in so much pain. He got healed that night in the living room. And it was just everyday people just praying for him. I mean, I just remember that. That was probably like in, I don't know, 2019, 2020 or something. But on a two-week run, like going all these cohorts, we saw so much physical healing happen. And, you know, like we, before that, it's like that stuff happens over there, you know? That happens in the Middle East. That happens in Africa. It was happening in living rooms and churches all around the U.S. And so talk about, you know, building your expectation that God's going to show up. And anyway, we, you know, we teach a model of it's something happens every time. You don't always get physical healing. Sometimes you get marginal healing. Sometimes, you, sometimes God, you know, you hear something from God. Sometimes it's inner healing. But you step in with an expectation. I don't have time to go into the whole model now. I just want to make sure people don't think it's naming it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stuff. So, so um, it's, a, it's a really healthy kind of model. But yeah, that's, that's one thing. I'd say, man, another one, a, a friend of mine, she's actually a Novo board member. So she heard her husband, you know, went through the cohort. She's a nurse. She immediately, labor and delivery nurse, she immediately like, okay, what we talk about, our goal with the cohorts is to get practitioners. Okay, we want you to be practicing this stuff, experimenting with it, and what happens is God shows up once people become practitioners. But a lot of us in the West, and you know, we've been kind of trained is like we put a lot of stuff in our heads, but we don't do much with it, right? That's kind of how it is. And so we're really trying to push people to use this stuff, use these tools. We've given you a toolbox. So she starts priestly praying her hospital. 
the first day she had this crazy story of God showing up in this one way. Then her, her and another cohort grad are praying for all their nurses. They start a discovery Bible study. People are coming to Jesus. And so, you know, that's, that's the thing. When we talk about gospel movements, here at NOVA, we talk about gospel. There's five components to that. And this is just a framework, okay? But it's activating prayer. And so that's what the cohort does is give people prayer tools of activating prayer. Then you got engaging culture is number two. Then disciple making. Then forming leaders. You're going to need more leaders to, if we're going to see a movement. And then forming churches. So we don't start with a church plant. It's The churches come from the harvest. They form. These are simple kind of home churches. You know, Dan can tell you more about this kind of stuff. But what I'm saying, what I, the reason I'm saying that is cohort grads are getting the first component of activating prayer. They're moving toward engaging culture. And then, then we invite people into this other thing we call the movement pathway, which gives them more engaging culture tools and gives them disciple. So the thing is, Dan, and this is just something we're seeing in Novo. This kind of leads to a larger Novo kind of thing. I mean... You know, we look in we look at Jesus's ministry. I'm just reading through Acts and Acts four. You know that there's a whole thing. We you know they realized they were just ordinary men. They had just been with Jesus. That whole passage in Acts four that's amazing. It's like Jesus started with fishermen. This is an ordinary person kind of thing. The Great Commission is an ordinary person kind of thing. I think some of us professional Christians we sometimes get in the way. I think you would agree with that. Amen. And so what we're seeing is or, ordinary people getting awakened to like what like. It's the power and witnesses of Acts 1-8. I mean, I see, I think this is the simple formula. How do we fulfill the Great Commission? Acts 1-8. It's power and witnesses. And Jesus gives us the power of Holy Spirit, but for what? It's to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And so what we're really encouraging people, everyday disciple makers, is start in your Jerusalem. Start in your Jerusalem. But then we also know some people are going to be called to Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. We want to we want to help send you, equip you, and, and give you a community and the support you need to send you to those places. And that's you know we like we 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 send we send teams overseas with Novo. So anyway, Dan, I don't know. I can't remember what the first <laughs> no, question it's was. Really, but it's really good, there. man. It's cool when like <laughs> when 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 I have a guest on and they're just so passionate about something they just go. Like that makes the best, the best stuff. You know what I mean? So yeah, I was just sitting here like, keep going, man, keep going. So we're kind of coming up on time. So I want, I, you know, want to be mindful of that, but if you could just take a couple of minutes and I get asked this question all the time, what is Novo? How would you answer that question? What is it all about? Well, I think simply we're a, a global missions organization. That's, that's what we are. You know, I talked about the mission statement earlier. What we're all about is seeing the gospel move. We talk about gospel movements, and, and simply what that is, is disciples and groups of disciples multiplying. But, yes, we want to see people follow Jesus. But, you know, our, our Novo, it's, Novo tagline is make new, and that's what that means in Latin, to make new. Ultimately, what we're wanting to see is, is transformation. Right, we want to see transformation in people, like what I talked about my story, but also transformation in communities and families and cities and countries and and, and yeah, that that that's the what is Nova. Let, let me tell one story on this. So, because again, yes, we want to see people follow Jesus, but then what do we want to see? We want to see cultural transformation. So, one example of this that is just incredible is in the Middle East. 
We're seeing incredible movement of the gospel. I've gotten to see this with my own eyes. I've been there a few times, but this this one kind of one vein, it's been mostly in Egypt, is with um, folks with disabilities. And the thing is, in Egypt, it's a shame culture. So many people, if they have a kid with disabilities, they keep them in a back room. A lot of people don't even know about it. It's just, it's it's this shame culture over the culture. Okay, so one of our guys gets this vision to start going to these families. So he's talking about the love of Jesus. Then the shame culture starts to get broken. People start coming to their houses. Neighbors are like, who is this? Okay, so I'm I'm in Egypt. This is um, fall of 2018. There's a woman named Floor. She's like 4'2". She's got crutches. Huge smile. Okay. She's talking about how she now has dignity as a person. She now takes public transportation. She's now leading Discovery Bible Studies in 13 villages. That's why she's taking the buses. Okay. But the thing is, the gospel's moving through this community and the shame culture is being broken. (laughs) So... I think that some, you know, it's like, what do we, what kind of transformation do you want to see in your city, in your context, right? What does that look like? And so our, we believe the way to do that is it is, it is the kingdom breaking in. It is, it is Jesus followers and it's, it's seeing the gospel move, but what is it? We, it's, it's bigger than just followers of Jesus. We want to see transformation happen. Well, just last, last word on your part. What word of encouragement could you give to to practitioners out there, uh, whether they're, you know, fully funded missionaries or everyday believers, or, you know, you kind of choose what grouping, but what, what, uh, what word of encouragement would you give? I would say the number one thing that comes to mind, Dan, is you need other like-minded people. I remember when Jamie and I started on this journey, (laughs) I mean, I told a lot of stories on here. You guys, some of you might think this is a little weird, you know, this hearing God stuff, this, you know, praying stuff. And when you, when you go, it's the red pill, blue pill thing a little bit, <laughs> when you take it and you go, right. It's like there, you can't, you can't go back once you kind of discover all of this stuff, which I think is really backed up solid theologically in the scriptures, but it can feel lonely. Okay. It can feel lonely. I think, you know, advancing the kingdom, disciple making is hard. I think wherever we are, there's a level of hard ground. And so as you're stepping into your role as, as witnesses, as ambassadors, as sons and daughters of the king and royal priests, you need a team. So you need like-minded people. You need team. Um, I think we at Novo, like we want to try to to provide that covering and, and provide some team the best way we can. And so we are creating networks for that. So we, we might be able to help you with that, but it's not about Novo, just about I just want to say that if, if that's a need, we might be able to help me that in, in the sense of, of, of community and relationship and coaching and things like that. So, All right, cool. Hey, if people want to find out more about Novo or the cohort, how can they do that? Yeah, just Novo.org is our website. Cohorts um, actually are being launched right now. We'll have four of them via Zoom. And you can, you know, the best way to do that is to get a group of people in your living room and, and you know, cast it to your screen. And so you're with people in a room and you're able to do the, pre- you're walking through life together with them and you're able to do the prayer experiments together. So that's nova.org backslash SA cohort. Those are launching coming up in September. So we'd love to have you all be a part of it. Yeah, Mark, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. It's been a, just been an absolute joy to just hear your story. Dan, thanks so much, man. This was, this was really fun. Appreciate you. 
Thanks for joining us for this episode of Only on a Sunday. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast and feel free to check out what we're doing at scbunderground.org. Thanks again for joining us and we will see you next time.